I invite you to turn to our uh, scripture reading and te- sermon text this morning around page three of your of your bulletin. We've been studying through the book of Ephesians uh, here at Emmanuel, and we're working our way through chapter four. Paul's discussion of what it looks like for God to be transforming his people in Christ and through Christ, allowing them more and more to put off the old life uh, that only led to destruction and put on the new life in Christ. And Paul talks about that generally, and then he gets specific about specific areas where God's people are being transformed by his grace. And so we've been slowing down and kind of looking at area by area. Uh, We talked about uh, lying and speaking the truth. We talked about uh, anger uh, and righteous uh, connection with with all awful things. And today we're going to talk about stealing and giving and God's will for that. Uh, It's chapter 4, verse 28 that we're going to be studying. We're going to back up again and see Paul's discussion in context to see how he's encouraging and instructing us. It is the words of Paul, but even more significantly, the very word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's read together. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. To put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let's pray together. Father, use your word. Lord, may it not, as you promised, uh, Lord, may it not return void, but just as you promised, accomplishing your good purpose. And so we pray in faith and look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, So we're a few weeks into this section of Ephesians 4, so hopefully you're beginning to see some of the themes, the patterns, and it's good to bring these in mind because it really is setting up an accurate view of what the Christian life is and what it's not. So just a, a couple patterns, and hopefully you're starting to pick these up. So here's, here's one pattern. Notice uh, that we're still talking a lot about Jesus. Uh, there's an important one. That as we talk about living the Christian life in the details, you know, Jesus is at the center. Uh, So it's not, oh, Jesus saved you, you're forgiven now, and now you move on from that. But Jesus continues to be at the core of who we are and what we do. Uh, So there's the first theme, still all about Jesus. Second theme is this, Paul assumes, the Bible assumes, that Christians continue to sin and struggle. Think about it, Paul in in this section of Ephesians, as he talks about anger and lies and, and stealing He's talking to the saints at Ephesus. He's talking to Christians. So, assuming he's not wasting his breath, then then he seems to know, through the Holy Spirit, that Christians continue to sin and struggle with sin. 
that some of the people he's talking to are committing these sins and struggling with them. And so there's another principle of the Christian life, uh, that just because we struggle with sin, sometimes badly, doesn't mean we're not a Christian. Uh, That Christians continue to sin and struggle. But then there's a third pattern. Uh, Paul seems to assume, as the Bible tells us explicitly, that though Christians continue to sin, Christians do grow in holiness. Right? Again, assuming Paul isn't wasting his breath, uh, then, then he actually expects that there can be change. There can be uh, believers putting off the old life and putting on the new, that they're not stuck. Right? Otherwise, he's just wasting his time. But we're not stuck in Christ. So we'll try again as we continue to hold those, those three things together. Jesus still at the center. We still sin and struggle, but yet through the power of the Spirit we can grow and can expect it. Here we come to a new topic. Uh, let the thief no longer steal. And maybe you immediately think, ah, this is an easy one. I haven't robbed any banks lately, so I'm good. Uh, go on to the next one. Um, but as with all of these, It's both harder than we think, but also the truth in Christ and the rescue in Christ more glorious than we might think. Uh, So let's begin to to think uh, and work through the the verse, same familiar pattern, something to put off and something to put on, and we'll see how Christ is at the center of it all. So first, uh, something to put off. Let the thief no longer steal, Uh, or as as we're, we're summarizing it, put off the taker lifestyle. Paul's going to tell us to be a giver, so we've got to put off that taker lifestyle. Let the thief no longer steal. It's actually variations of the same word, so something like this. Let the stealer no longer steal. Let the thief no longer thieve. Right? That which used to be at the core of your identity, a thiever, a, a, a stealer, now no longer your identity, and therefore more and more no longer your practice. So we read a good example of that transformation in the story of Zacchaeus this morning. Right? Luke tells us that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which and he was rich. So those two pieces of information tell you uh, that he was a thief, essentially, um, because that's how tax collectors got rich. Uh, they stole uh, this is how the Roman tax collecting system worked. Uh, Rome uh, gets the gets the taxes at the end of the day. They kind of farm it out to the locals, and they really didn't care how much the individual local tax collectors took from people. As long as that individual tax collector passes along to the Roman officials that which Rome says they want, the local person can collect as much as they want and keep the rest. And that's how a tax collector like Zacchaeus gets rich. You collect far more than Rome wants, far more than you need to live, uh, cheat people, essentially, so you can keep the rest for yourself. So here's Zacchaeus, uh, and he's a chief tax collector, which means he's gotten to the point where he's over other people who are cheating. He's, he's getting it twice in the system, uh, has grown rich off of thieving. It's his identity. It's his, it's his, it's his lifestyle. Uh, a prime example of someone who is a taker. Right? Regardless of the effect it has on other people, uh, here is one who thinks, ah, I'm here, and it's all about me, and I'm going to take it. Regardless of whether it's moral, legal, ethical, what kind of damage it causes. So how do you think someone ends up like that? Right? How do you think 
someone like Zacchaeus ends up a, a scoundrel like that? Uh, did he did he wake up some morning when he was a, a kid and think, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a thief and a really good one, a rich one? Probably not. It, it probably happened slowly, right? Starting with kind of little little compromises here and there, uh, probably adding to that various justifications. Wow, it's not really as bad as people might think. Can you picture how Zacchaeus might, uh, might do that? Uh, might, might think to himself, after all the abuse I got growing up, right, for people making fun of me for being short, no one ever cared about me. Why should I care about them? Or the Romans, they don't care that I'm taking all this money. So is it really technically stealing if they don't care? Why should I care? Right? Just justifying here, justifying there, starting small, and it, and it grows and grows from a, a little practice to a habit to a lifestyle to a whole identity. And of course, that's the danger that we could walk into. Yeah, starting small, um, maybe it's just, you know, you know, there's a few extra office supplies at work. Not everybody takes them, come on. Um, what's the big deal? You know, the, the hotel towel, they got plenty. Uh, I could use one on my, on my trip for the rest of the party. Why not just throw it, in my, throw it in my bag? Nobody cares. Again, then the income, the justifications. Everybody does it. Nobody cares, right? Cheating on your taxes. Come on. That's not really stealing from the government because they have more than enough money. They tax us too much already. So why do they really care that I don't report that extra income? Everybody does it. The problem, of course, is what lies underneath. There is a problem on the surface. God says right on the surface, let the thief no longer steal. So the doing is a problem. But with all of God's commandments, the, the, the real core challenge is what lies underneath. It's, the roots are even uglier than, than the practices. It's ugly as the practice can sometimes be. Uh, so what lies at the root, at the heart of, of a lifestyle of, of stealing, of taking that which doesn't belong to you. Well, at the core of it is really a rejection of God's rule, of God's providence, and of God's view of who you are. So it's a, it's a rejection of God's rule. Scripture says that ultimately God owns everything. Everything. He owns it all. So if there's something in your possession, it's because he entrusted it to you for a time. You're a, you're a manager, you're a steward, which also means if God entrusted something to something to someone else, God still owns that thing that belongs to somebody else, but he entrusted it to them. Uh, so for you or me to take something that doesn't belong to us is for, for us to reject God's ownership of it. I don't care that he entrusted it to somebody else, I'm going to take it. Uh, which also then ties into a rejection of God's providence. Scripture teaches that God rules over all. He's sovereign over all the details. And so even the details of what you and I possess are there not by accident, but because this was God's plan. And though in a fallen world, God's plan has us walking through hardship, he tells us that he uses these things for his people for good. And so for us to take something that doesn't belong to us uh, is, is our heart saying, I really don't trust God's plan, right? 
I, I think I need to do it myself. I don't trust him to provide. I don't trust him to give me all that I need, want, desire. Uh, so I'll just, I'll just grab it myself. I'm not sure I really trust him. Um, which then ties into a rejection of God's view of who we are, uh, God, our identity. See, the heart of, a, the heart of theft is that of a, of a taker. Right? This, is, this is who I am in the world. I'm here to get for me. Sometimes it's, it's get legally, but then that can quickly spill over to get illegally or immorally. Right? Think of, of Zacchaeus in his world uh, as he interacts with, well, that, that, that subsistence farmer that he's, he's taking from, even though that farmer is struggling to survive, or, or that widow who barely has enough to live on, uh, but Zacchaeus is, is taking far more from her than he needs. How does Zacchaeus interact with that part of the world? Well, he's not really thinking about what harm he's causing to them. He's thinking about himself. Uh, the people around him exist for him to take from them. That's why they're there. Uh, his identity in the world is, I'm here to receive. I'm the I'm taker. Which, as we'll see, is not how God made us and not how God remakes us in Christ. So it is convicting. You get down to the roots, it is it is challenging. Maybe, maybe your sin, my sin, is not quite as graphic as Zacchaeus, and not quite living it out in technicolor, uh, but at the, at the core of it, how often do we buy into the same heart, the same lie? Uh, I'm here to take. So how does Jesus fit into this? Remember, that was the turning point for Zacchaeus. Jesus stepped into his life. Paul says here in, in, in Ephesians 4, there's the transformation point. We learn Christ. Uh, so what does learning Christ here look like? Well, as we see our sin, we immediately should remind ourselves we need a Savior. We need a rescuer, someone to rescue us from ourselves. And of course, Jesus is that only rescuer. Um, and here we get to think about Jesus and how he does that rescue. Uh, he comes to this world and he rescues first by being tempted just like us. Uh, he, he walks through this world and he's tempted exactly like we are. Uh, think, for example, of that scene of Jesus in the, in the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan. I'll come back to that one again and again because it's, it's such a key example. And we've seen how it really is a replaying of, of the temptation in the Garden of Eden. Actually, you can go back to the Garden uh, for, for a quick minute and see, and see Adam and Eve's sin and see how that, that, in a real sense, is Adam and Eve stealing, isn't it? Think of their original sin. There was something that God said didn't belong to them, that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil doesn't belong to you, uh, but they decided they are going to take it anyway. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna, and, and in so taking, don't they have that that heart, that that lack of trust in God? God didn't say He's gonna give it to me, not here, not now, not this way, but but I don't trust Him, so I'm gonna take it for myself. And there was their sin, uh, theft, and the heart of a taker, and the world falls into sin. But along comes Jesus, and He gets the same basic temptation from the evil one. There He is in the wilderness. And you think of those temptations, uh, Satan coming, saying, turn those stones to bread. 
saying, here, I'll give you all the glory, all the kingdoms of this world, bow down to me. Well, the core of those temptations is a, is a theft temptation, isn't it? Here are things in God's providence that God uh, has not given to the Lord Jesus, not at this time, not in this way. Um, but Satan is saying, yeah, don't trust God in his providence, the Father in his providence. Take it yourself. Take it not his way, uh, take it your way, my way. Uh, he's tempted to steal. And of course, Jesus succeeds exactly at the place where we fail. And there's our hope. First of all, he knows the temptation. He knows what you're going through. He knows that heart of struggle with God's providence to be walking through a hard place and be tempted to, to just grab it for yourself. And yet he succeeds where you fail so he can rescue you. So he can rescue me. He passes the test. Uh, in fact, that's his entire life, isn't it? His entire life, uh, not the life of a taker, but the life of a giver. Remember how he summarizes his own his own walk here on earth? Uh, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Came not to be served, but to serve. Of course, Jesus is the one who actually deserves all glory and all honor. Uh, but yet he comes and takes this low place of not coming to be served. Uh, not coming to, to take, but coming to give. Even though he has every right to glory, he comes to give. Uh, give all the way to the point of giving his very life. Uh, gives everything to rescue us. A ransom for many. Uh, he pays the price to set us free. That's what a ransom is. And that's what he does. Most, most focally there at the cross. He's giving his life a ransom for us to rescue us. And he's treated as if he were the sinner. Now, even remember how he's crucified uh, in between two thieves, robbers, scripture calls them. Right? He's treated as if he were one of them, though he's not. Uh, yeah, because he's bearing our guilt. Uh, he who, who knew no sin became sin for us. He took the guilt of our sin uh, on himself so that we might be rescued. So that we might ha not have to pay the price for that ugly taker heart that we so often uh, we so often have. Here's how Paul summarizes it in 2 Corinthians 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. By his poverty, by going to the lowest place, the cross itself, giving his life so that you might be rich. Forgiven, uh, set free from all, from all the guilt of your sin, uh, so you can know that if you're trusting in Christ, regardless of what's been in your past or you still struggle with, that you are forgiven before the Lord. There's no more, no more punishment that you need to bear for, for your sin. Christ took it. He became poor so that we might become rich. And there's all the blessings we get in Christ. Uh, we get, well, Paul says at the beginning of Ephesians that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That there is not a single spiritual blessing, in other words, something that really, really lasts. There's not a single blessing that God hasn't already given us. Uh, of course, we receive part of it now, kind of the down payment, the fullness in the life to come. We already have it all in Christ. We're rich 
This is why you don't need to step into this world and, and take it all for yourself because you can say to yourself, yeah, I already have all that I need in Christ. Deposit now, the fullness to come, a new identity in him. A new identity, a new spirit. There's the other thing that Christ wins for us is he wins the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? You might remember that right before Jesus goes to the wilderness, right before he's tempted uh, to, to be a taker, but passes the test, he receives the Holy Spirit. The same strength uh, and personal power of God, the Spirit himself, God himself, that empowered the Lord Jesus, that Spirit's in you. That Spirit's in me. Uh, the, the Spirit that, in, that filled him as he gave his life uh, to the very end, that Spirit is now in you, believer, and enables you to walk in his, in his footsteps, putting off that life of a taker and putting on a different life, which gets to where our final point, put on the, the giver lifestyle. So we see the, the put off, but now look at the put on. So again, our verse, 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Notice where the, the, the putting on begins. It begins with work. Huh. Honest work with his own hands, right? The one who used to steal, Paul says, and of course part of stealing is, uh, I want it, but I want to do it by a shortcut. I don't, want to, I don't want to work hard for it. I'm going to try to get it by the shortcut. Now says, now there's a whole new life. Now there's a willingness to do the hard work. Uh, work with your own hands. It doesn't mean you have to be a, a manual laborer, though it certainly means that has dignity. It just means you're, you're doing hard work. Uh, you're willing to, you're willing to, to labor, uh, willing to do literally good work. That's the word there, translated honest. It has that sense, but it's the word good. Doing good work. It's exactly what we were created to do. Uh, you might remember, uh, we, we saw that theme back up in verse 24. Uh, being remade in the likeness of God, being recreated in Christ to do the very thing we were created to do. Uh, some of you remember how we talked about that verse and, and talked about it with relation to Alaskan sled dogs. These dogs that just love to pull sleds. It's what they get excited to do and they do this amazing work. Yeah, because they do it joyfully. It's what they were made to do. Uh, and here is God uh, in Christ remaking us to do the very things we were made to do. And here's part of what we were made to do. To do good work. Go back to creation. right? Before there was any, any death and darkness and sin, and there was God giving his people work to do. right? And it was a blessing to them. Uh, the Lord blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. They had work to do, but it was a blessing. And it was part of them being made in the likeness and image of God. God had just spent six days, well, creating and ruling. Oh, and it was good, God says again and again. Good, 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 right? Creating, ruling, and then he stops and, and he create and in the midst of the task he gives to man, <laughs> he gives them the same kind of work. Now you get to create, be fruitful, multiple. 
Now you get to rule. Not like God, but imaging God, mirroring God. It's a part of the good that we were meant to do. Now, of course, this side of the fall, work is hard and has a, 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 a toil, sweat, thorns, thistles, pain side to it. Uh, so we won't, don't want to deny that. But, but now, Paul is saying, right, verse 24 of Ephesians 4, that we're, we're remade, recreated in Christ after the likeness of God. Right, hearkening back to that original image. Right, we're, we're remade to do the very thing humanity was made to do. And here's a part of it. Here's an application of it. Doing good work with our own hands. Doing good work. Uh, we, we, get to, we get to copy God. Uh, it's not always easy, but, but, it, but it's good. Uh, you can think about that as you, as you launch into whatever the Lord has in front of you tomorrow. Uh, whatever form of, of work, and it's different for all of us. But you can say, yeah, it might be hard and challenging, but, but it's good. And, it's, and in doing it, you get, to, you get to copy God. It's what you were made to do in glorifying him. Uh, to use Luther's words, your work is very a very sacred matter. God delights in it, and through it he wants to bestow his blessing on you. Your work is a sacred thing. It's what you were made to do. And part of the blessing of work is so that you might have something to give to those in need. Right? See where Paul goes with it. Right? The thief no longer steal, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Part of the reason that God gives you that good work, gives you that job, gives you that income, is so that in part why it's there, is so that you might have something to give to those in need. Think of Jesus stepping into Zacchaeus' life, right? Zacchaeus, the very, uh, the very one who, who epitomizes that, that taker lifestyle. I don't care who it hurts, I'm going to take for me. Jesus steps into his life, and everything's different now. Now he looks around at the same kinds of world and people he took from, and he says, now I'm going to start giving. Half of my goods I'm going to give, I'm going to give to the poor, right? The exact opposite of, of the taker mindset. Before the people around him, what can they do for me? I'll take, 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 take. Now all of a sudden, he's thinking, how can I give? Uh, that, that income there, uh, that, that money there, now it's here, there in part, Zacchaeus thinks, so that I can give to those in need. A, a, a giver mindset. Because, not because Zacchaeus is now great and wonderful, but because Jesus, the ultimate giver, has stepped into his life, uh, transformed him, saved him, given him the Holy Spirit, and now he's changing him. That's the same Jesus is changing us. Uh, more and more, God enabling us to look at the people around us and see them differently. Now it's not, how can I take, but how can I, how can I give? Even seeing the, the good work that God gives us, as here's part of what God is doing. He's enabling us to have something that we can give to others. And it's a part of his blessing. Do you remember Paul quoting uh, Jesus, uh, and he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive? Interestingly enough, Paul says that in Acts 20, where he's talking to the elders from the church of Ephesus. Uh, so some of these same individuals he's writing to in, in the letter to the Ephesians, 
uh, there previously. Paul had gathered them together, uh, the elders of that church, and, and he's describing what, what he modeled in his own life. He says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Do I really believe that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you really believe that? So, assuming for a minute that Jesus is actually telling the truth, um, just assume, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That, that that very thing of God gives me good work to do, and part of what he's doing is giving me something to be able to give to those in need, that's, that's God's plan to, to bless me. Uh, that it's going to be better than, than the taking mindset. And that I can actually get excited about doing that. Uh, that as opposed to finding excuses not to give, I can start looking for excuses to give because well, this is God's intention to, to bless me. Uh, to have me walking like Jesus walked. Uh, and you certainly see it with him as he walked that low road of giving his life. Sure enough, he is blessed, right? Exalted to the highest place. And I can say to myself, yeah, I'm walking that same path. It might be hard, but this is God's plan to bless me. And God's plan to bless us. Of course, Jesus is telling the truth. It is more blessed to give uh, than to receive. And so well, we, can, we can get excited, not about some guilt-ridden duty, oh, another thing to do, now i got to start giving. And, but, oh, no, hold it, this is, this is God's blessing I get this blessing of good work that in and of itself has dignity and honor and, and modeling and copying God. Uh, but part of where it goes, that good work, is something that's a blessing to me and those around me. I have something that I can, that I can give, uh, just like Jesus gave to me. And it'll be hard, but I have his spirit. God's blessing to us, to you. All of it comes out of the fact that Jesus steps into our life. Like he stepped into Zacchaeus' life. Right? Don't, don't try to, to do an end run around Jesus. As if, okay, I'm going to fix everything. I'll just, I'll just start giving away some stuff, uh, but, but miss Jesus. Right? You're, you're missing all the blessing and the life and rescue. So we all start with Jesus and his rescue, trusting him to rescue us. But then we don't be, move beyond Jesus. In fact, we, we cling to him and walk in him all the more. Because we walk the path of Jesus and his strength. Just as he took on that role of a giver, so now we get the blessing of doing it ourselves. Now, the people around us are blessed, we're blessed, and of course, God is the blessed one who gets all the glory in the process. Well, let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you would be at work in us. That we might be those who, who know the Lord Jesus uh, not only mentally, uh, but Lord, uh, savingly trusting in him, and also know him as we, as we live out this great calling of Christ uh, in our lives. We pray that you enable us. And, and to be a, a church family, even here at Emmanuel, uh, where, where we, we, Lord, see this as, as part of the, the joyous blessing that we have. Uh, to work, to have something, and to give. Lord, help us to do it. 
uh, and to so bless ourselves and those around us and, and that you might receive the glory in us. We, we can't do it in ourselves. So we, we fall down before you and say, do this good work in us. We pray in Jesus' name.